0: Intro music. Forget the one we wrote. <laughs> Welcome
1: to the Super Duperstitious, the laid back and cool podcast <laughs> about the science behind the smooth
0: <laughs> and the super
1: natural. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: Jake. <laughs> And I'm still doing this okay. <laughs> for this, the duration of the entire yeah, episode, baby. This song is surprisingly long. <laughs>
1: it just ends abruptly. That's okay, weird. Yeah. And I'm Wyatt. How's <laughs> it going? <Yeah. laughs>
0: Thanks for joining us this week. We are, uh, as ever, uh, it was Boogie oh sciencey whatnot, and uh, it's a good time. We're this is the first episode of September. Oh uh, yes, September mm-hmm. the second scariest month of the year. <laughs> yes. Yes, we are kicking off a special report. That's right. So a super duperstitious special report. If this is your first one, is when we take a uh, a deep dive, a two episode long look at some kind of uh, thing we decide on in advance and then <laughs> <Yep>. do. <laughs> the first episode usually is just kind of like a normal episode of ours, but it sets up the topic, and then the second episode is um. Just kind of expanding on that with a lot more science. A little more science. Those
1: are the episodes you guys will skip. Yep. <laughs> just kidding. No, they are very fun, and today we are talking about what is it, Jake? Sort of uh cinematic interpretations of monsters and science.
0: Yeah, I was thinking it's like just creature feature kind of stuff. Creature like, feature yeah, stuff. Horror movie style monsters or just instances of animals being scary forces to be reckoned with. But in general, like you said, the Hollywood take on that. It's not like we're just going to be trying to debunk movies. We're not going to give the pedantic Neil Grass Tyson approach to. Um, well, that wouldn't happen like that. It's we know that they're movies, but we do want to instead just kind of dig into some key tropes that pop up a lot in creature feature type things and give you fine listeners some hopefully fun real world parallels based on our backgrounds. Indeed, though everyone should know, movies are a government conspiracy. Theory. That's right. <laughs> uh, before we jump into your stuff about mutations, my stuff about monster behavior. I do have a super-duper-stitious PSA. Ooh. Because we're doing September as a biweekly venture, this is as close as we can get to September 19th without passing it. Never forget. Uh, <laughs> that's a week from the day this goes up, assuming I don't fuck up somehow and not post it on Thursday. Uh, September 19th, 2019 is the date of... The Storm Area 51, they can't stop all of us event. Oh boy. This week event was created as a joke. It still mostly is a joke. Mm-hmm. Mostly. Uh, however, there are as of recording this, some nine days before the thing is supposed to happen, two point one million people who put their RSVP status as going, and a further one point five million who said interested. It's exactly the same as the numbers for Firefest. <laughs> and it's gonna be just as successful. Um, While it is all just a big, dumb, stupid joke, we're now dealing with in numbers large enough and subcultures disparate enough um, that statistically someone's probably going to show up. Oh my goodness gracious. Maybe hundreds, maybe just one or two. I really can't wait to see. Yeah. Yeah, Some bozos are fairly likely to descend on a protected Air Force base because aliens? Mm -hmm. So our message from super duperstitious to you is this. Don't. Just don't. Don't be the doofus to stroll past the signs that say restricted area and risk being, at best, humiliated and deeply hassled, and at worst, the same, shot on but with site. bullets. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, we recently covered Area 51 in episode 72, Have Donut. And as much as we love the idea of cool, spooky government secrets, it's very unlikely that there's anything out in that Nevada desert except. Needlessly expensive military equipment. You might find some cool tech, but you also might be on the receiving end of it, so... Yes. (laughs) We haven't fired this at an actual person before.
1: perfect opportunity, since they gave up all their rights to (laughs) life the second they walked in here.
0: (laughs) On top of all that, the nearest town does not have the resources to support the number of people who claim they want to go there, even if only to show up and goof around. Now, if 2.1 million or more people really want to storm a government institution in a way that would be worth a damn... There are these camps on the border that you may have heard about. Maybe consider going there and fuck some shit up. That might actually yeah, be- Yeah, maybe a, storm those. Yeah. They have been there. You've known about them. We know what's happening there, and we know that we could stop it, so- Yeah,
1: maybe concentrate your efforts on those instead. Yes.
0: And besides, we all know that the Air Force housed the Stargate in Cheyenne Mountain, so that concludes this particular Super Dupresitious PSA. You're welcome. <laughs> But they're saying they don't have enough places for people to stay. They don't have enough food or water or gas to people all show oh, up.
1: Ooh, I have a live, super duper Stitches hot take. Okay. California man behind the viral Storm Area 51 event on Facebook that may draw alien-obsessed crowds to a rural Nevada county next week has pulled out of a festival spawned from the popular event because of... Safety concerns. <laughs> Alien stock have been scheduled at the Little Ailey Inn in Rachel. (laughs) Go, Rachel. And it is no longer going to happen. Due to a lack of infrastructure, poor planning, risk management, and blatant disregard for the safety of the expected 10,000-plus Alien Stock attendees, we decided to pull the plug on the festival. So, if anyone has tickets to Alien Stock, (laughs) I'm sorry, as of three hours ago, they are now no longer worth... $1,000 a piece or whatever they paid for them.
0: (laughs) Well, that is reassuring, and uh, I wish I had looked at that before I came to record today. (laughs) Oh, well, you got (laughs) the PSA anyway, and you all have to deal with it. Exactly. That bossa nova is in your head now, too. (laughs) Welcome (laughs) to our world. Terra Nova.
1: Uh, I want to, before I begin my segment today, shout out to our Apple Podcast reviewers mm. um, as they trickle in, but thank you for trickling in. One every couple months. Yes. <laughs> precious, precious singletons. <laughs> this time, Lady Bedlam, <laughs> whose title of her review was, Oh, yes, and reads If you haven't listened to this podcast, you are missing out. Love the science spin, you guys are hilarious please don't stop ever (laughs) so i guess we have to continue making this podcast for ever ever yeah so thank you and please be like lady bedlam and leave, it, leave us an effusively positive review <laughs> yep. on Apple
0: Podcasts. If you can't be bothered to write stuff out, I mean, you can at least click the start on there. That's exactly. pretty easy And, and then it. just
1: write hashtag 1000% cool. <laughs> Perfect. So, right. Today, I'll be focusing on genetics in popular media, basically with a focus on mutations. Mm-hmm. Um And again, focusing on TV and movie interpretations, we'll get into, as Jake mentioned, the science of genetics and specifically mutation and alteration of form and function in the next episode. But for now, we could just dive into these pop interpretations. So Mm -hmm. as a science, genetics is relatively young, dating back to Gregor Mendel's study of trait inheritance um, in pea plants in the early 1900s. Uh, More on that next week. I highlight this now only to say that as with anything relatively new and therefore understood in only very shallow measures, interpretations of genetics in books and cinema tend to land somewhere between the fanciful and the ridiculous, Mm -hmm. I would say. So apologies in advance for getting a little too into this today and maybe (laughs) overwriting my notes, but deal with it. Um, Overarchingly, genetics is portrayed in one of two ways in pop media. Mutation, the alteration of genetic material, or cloning, the duplication of genetic material. I'll focus, as I've said, on mutations for today's episode, but can definitely do a similar dive on clones another time, perhaps, if we want to go there. Sure. Uh, With mutations, as with most of genetics, narratives often portray events as something to be feared. Mutants, these narratives insist, are characters that have become something that is other- At the most essential level. So a mutated character is defined by an implied abstraction. It is no longer what it originally was. Hmm. As such, much like characters that come back from the dead, become cursed or badly scarred um, or possessed by or infected with something, mutation signals a shift away from innocence, purity or social acceptance towards the strange, corrupt, detestable or pitiable. Hmm. As such, mutants often represent chief antagonists, sometimes simultaneously victims of circumstance. An accident or poorly planned endeavor has effectively destroyed their soul, but not their body. And mm-hmm. the only narrative solution offered in either case is, of course, blow them up. <laughs> yep. um, in a handful of cases, these rules are partially inverted such that while mutant characters remain firmly within the category of the other for their status their mutated state also endows them with special abilities or insight yeah we'll get into all that so i've pulled together what i think are the three focal versions of mutants in media paying attention mainly to portrayals in cinema to which the majority of audiences are exposed Mm. we can go through these with examples and generally just have fun with it today Uh uh-huh also everyone spoiler alert all right so uh, if you haven't seen The Fly, The Island of Dr. Moreau, X Men, <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Di- <laughs> District 9, or them, pause this and go watch all of those first so I'm not ruining it for you. <laughs> um, I'll also be rating each film on whether it meets the big three faux pas of portraying <laughs> mutations, which I've defined for myself, okay. which are that the mutation one gives the mutant supernatural abilities, uh-huh. two, affects the an otherwise typical body plan dramatically uh for example size shape color texture or what have you and three drives them to commit evil yes so also before i get into this i know there are other extremely suitable movies or shows to address uh this topic um, but we don't have all the time of the world, and I want to save stuff like Gattaca and Jurassic Park for next week. Yeah, I think also
0: we could bring up um, things like Splice, maybe next week. Oh, yeah. fun one. As well as ways around this in movies, like Annihilation, as an example around that. Oh. So, around, how do you mean around that? Uh, way, ways around the faux pas, I should say.
1: Oh, I see.
0: Right. To have mutation in a movie, to create weird stuff without having to deal with um, the, the kind of... The nitty gritty. Yeah. Well,
1: that's the fatal error so many movies make too is they over explain what their rules are and run into the conflict of just breaking those breaking those same rules or or bumping up too close to scientific reality so that it's clearly false where if a movie just introduces oh this is ooze and it'll change you yes oh okay (laughs) it did what it was supposed to (laughs) The Uh, system works. Yeah, it works. (laughs) How does it change them? We don't know. It just does. Oh, okay, cool. (laughs) Yeah, anyway. So, the first category of mutant is the hybridization of Mm. creatures, I would say. Often human and other. The genetic material of two or more organisms is combined. It's not a chimera. It's a hybrid. (laughs) Uh, To change the appearance, behavior, and or ability of a character. So, this can happen in the first case by accident Mm -hmm. so we have as our first example the fly from 1986 a scientist named jeff goldblum (laughs) is single-handedly working on a teleportation device because science (laughs) once he's gotten it successfully transporting fleshy things without butchering them he naturally transports himself (laughs) this time because science and emotions he's fallen in love and is worried his squeeze is gonna bail on his butt He doesn't realize, however, that a housefly has buzzed its way inside the teleporter just before he sends himself through. He emerges seemingly fine, but over the course of the remainder of the film, his body and mind steadily change into a kind of horrible human-fly combo. Mm -hmm. It turns out his DNA fused with the flies when they teleported together, never mind the fact that it could be argued he essentially committed suicide in teleporting himself despite being reassembled and reanimated. It's a little philosophy (laughs) issue that I have. (laughs) um also never mind the fact that while his his and the fly's dna refused their bodies remain separate somehow
0: so somewhere we didn't get to see the story of the fly itself turning into jeff Goldblum. a
1: tiny little jeff gold is cr- crawling around somewhere his gradual and gruesome deterioration into the most fly for a white guy ever only works to <laughs> intensify his already unstable desperation for human connection In this case, physical abstraction is mirrored by emotional, and his character is finally destroyed to spare both himself and others from the pain of his obsession. Hmm. So, special abilities, sorta. If wanting to eat more sugar and be a bully is special, everyone knows. (laughs) Flies are sugar-crazed assholes. (laughs) Body plan change, yep. A bit. His body becomes gross. (laughs) Driven to do evil, kinda. But while the change definitely motivates his madness, he is thankfully driven at his core by human desperation more than inherent fly cruelty. Mm. So I think it passes that.
0: Fly is the cruelest of all of nature's (laughs) creations.
1: Um, And yeah, I had as a bonus what the fuck happened to that fly. Exactly. So you've preempted it. Absolutely (laughs) correct. Um, The other example is District 9. From 2009, this is a semi-allegorical sci-fi flick about the deep shittiness of apartheid. Mm -hmm. In early 80s Johannesburg, South Africa, a spaceship arrived carrying cricket-like bipedal aliens. Stuck on board, the derisively termed prawns were found to not be doing so well and were thus relocated to a temporary housing encampment called District 9. It's now 2010 when we join them in the movie, and the government is stepping in to address issues of unrest between the prawn and neighboring humans. By forcibly relocating them to a new camp naturally they contract the job out to a weapons manufacturing company <laughs> and a company exec puts his son-in-law Vicus vandermeer uh, in charge of the relocation while vikas is helping to oversee prawn evictions he finds a hidden cartridge of an alien substance which he accidentally sprays on himself so here we have our first clip <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, this has got the markings there of, of uh, so it, it's definitely alien,
0: but it's uh, not a weapon. But I don't trust it, you know, I don't trust anything that's. <laughs> you right, you're right, Britt.
1: you're right. <laughs> Obviously, it felt good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's fiddling with this little canister, it spritzes like a little blast of black fluid into his face. And he seems to be nauseous immediately, like in The Fly, he gradually starts to transform. But this time, he changes entirely into one of the aliens. This flick has the advantage of not overexposing itself. We understand the black fluid to be alien and intended as, a some, as some kind of fuel for the prawn, but its capacities outside of this are basically anyone's guess. Yeah. They never really get into it as to why this happens, um, as far as I recall. I think it was just like, oh, you did a thing with that stuff. You shouldn't have done that. Yeah. That was pretty oh, much it. no. Why were you fucking with that? Yeah. Um, as Vicus is transformed physically, he is effectively evicted and relocated from his societal standing. Mm-hmm. As his personal experience increasingly mirrors the plate of the prawn, his emotional core also shifts. His mutation makes him more monstrous, but also makes him willing to play the part of the hero. So special abilities. Not really. He just kind of becomes a prawn. Mm-hmm. Body plan change. Oh yes, Mm -hmm. for sure. (laughs) Driven to do evil. Actually driven away from evil in this case. His transformation makes him... uh, Actually
0: have some compassion. Compassion, exactly. And he Uh, makes some nice little junk flowers to leave for his wife while he looks ways to try and find a way back to being normal again. um, Oh man.
1: (laughs) Do you have cat food? Is that cat food?
0: (laughs) I'll never forget that.
1: Um, Those are sort of by accident. There's also cases where... Hybridization occurs by design. Mm. So here we have the Island of Dr. Morrow. Dr. Morrow. Dr. Morrow. Oh, dear. Uh, this is 96, an adaptation of the 1896 book by H.G. Wells, by the same name, directed by John Frankensteiner, <laughs> and probably the movie to force both Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer to ask, Why am I doing this? <laughs>
0: and what is my life now? <laughs> This is the movie where um, Marlon Brando was just so demanding off-camera. off, off camera. Like Oh, was he, he? Every weird fucking thing he was doing was like his, the weird outfit he had. He refused to do the movie unless they just like caved to every single one of his demands. Are you for real? And refused Holy to shit. learn any of his lines. They just had huge cue cards off-screen for him the whole time. What? Yeah, it was just he had totally lost his shit by that point. And wow. Was, yeah. That's fascinating. That
1: <laughs> explains many things for me. <laughs> I haven't seen this in a long time, so I kind of half forget it, but I remember it being just so. Bonkers. Bonkers, <laughs> yeah. Um, for those who have not seen it or need a recap, Dr. Moreau, played by Marlon Brando, is your classic crazy island mad scientist. Obsessed with combining human and animal DNA to produce sort of were creature like hybrids, he's been incorporating human DNA into animals to create what he hopes will be higher beings that are incapable of badness. <laughs> Moreau is thus a kind of puritanical, patriarchal monster. Long story short, hybrids break into factions, some peaceful, some warring, and all of them are frustrated with their situation because Mm. Moreau controls them with like an electrical shock collar kind of thing. Mm. So they're always under his control. Um, In this narrative, the antagonistic aspect is Moreau's desire for control rather than any single mutant's mutantiness. While the plot does play their mutant status as a means of othering, their otherness is, in turn, used as a means of allegorically Mm -hmm. referring back to humanity as beings that are under societal patriarchal control. Mm -hmm. So who's the real animal, dude? (laughs) The hybrid creatures are created born, not spontaneously or violently transformed, and so their angst is more existential, a la Mary Shelley's Frankenstein's monster, (laughs) the island of Dr. Moreau, (laughs) who famously asks, Why am I so strong and gross? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we have a quick clip from that as well. <laughs> uh, oh, Father, I must ask <laughs> hey.
0: What am I?
1: So special abilities? uh Well, in so far as animals can gain degrees of humanity, I suppose. Yes. I if that's special. Body plan change. Oh yeah. <laughs> they are I've described them as chaotic neutral thundercats
0: in this movie. Yes indeed.
1: And driven to do evil, not unless you think existentialism is evil, basically. <laughs> um also this movie is garbage. So um let's see. Sharktopus. So now we can move on to the born this way mutants. <laughs> Uh, select few indiv- individuals have rare x-factor kind of things that give them special abilities otherwise largely indistinguishable from non-mutant characters so x-men i'm intentionally not getting too far into this realm as i don't want to annoy listeners who may have committed a little more of the relevant lore here to mind then and let me just say it i have <laughs> for folks just arriving on this planet though x-men are explicitly described as mutants (laughs) a subspecies of humans born with superhuman abilities activated by the x gene Mm -hmm. ironically insofar as the strict formula of happen to be born with a particular gene particular gene operates as an activator of a novel pathway of gene expression it's actually pretty sound (laughs) yeah um the sticking point lies in the fact that essentially to a person the various mutants have highly distinct abilities ranging from having claws to quick healing to being named logan to being the wolf ring himself (laughs) i just of course there's like three x-men not just wolf ring (laughs) so special abilities hell yeah
0: (laughs) shit's so cool specialist
1: uh body plan change sometimes beast nightcrawler my favorite kid and Mystique Wagner, but it's
0: a, they me
1: <laughs> driven to do evil sometimes while facilitated by their powers motivations are largely based on their extant character rather than on their specific mutation or mutant status though I think this can contribute in some cases There's like yeah, a dude who turns know. into a pterodor pterodor <laughs> oh. into a pterosaur or something I don't know I don't know <laughs> <laughs> crazy <laughs> shit happens since <to> sex <laughs> Um, Also, I'll just say this. The Wikipedia pages committed to the X-Men, including individual profile pages for various characters, are simultaneously glorious and absolutely abominable in their length
0: (laughs) and detail. Anytime a new Marvel movie comes out, I'll like, oh, look up. I want to know more about this character that's going to be introduced because I haven't kept up with enough of the books and stuff. And then I will start reading about them. I'm like, oh, oh, it's just the longest entries ever because there's such a long canon of all these things there's so many different stories to summarize
1: i did a quick comparison the wikipedia page for reality <laughs> is 6 pages in a single spaced word document with 21 source references all right the page for the x men as a thing is 21 pages long with <laughs> 75 <laughs> source references Oh, boy. Which is kind of just a wonderful testament to the beauty and richness of the human
0: imagination. Yes.
1: Um, Right. So, and finally, we have the results of environmental contamination. Mm -hmm. So, radiation or toxic waste is a magic wand that makes things bigger, (laughs) stronger, and smarter. Yep. (laughs) Um, So, we can launch first into them. (laughs) 1954 America's <laughs> early nuclear testing causes a colony of ants to become ginormous eight foot long monster Ant. I should say thems <laughs> and they begin ravaging the countryside but don't take my word for it let's listen to the trailer because it's so much more fun <laughs> and enjoy listening to the narrator find any phrase other than giant ants to describe them <laughs> to describe them you mean <laughs> to describe them uh as we all know them stands for terror horror excitement mystery <laughs> as is shown in the trailer (laughs) so just one
0: moment yes cities nations even civilization itself threatened with annihilation because in one moment of history making violence nature mad rampant wrought its most awesome creation for born in that swirling inferno of radioactive dust were things so horrible so terrifying so hideous There is no word to describe (laughs) them. Uh,
1: We may be witnesses to a biblical prophecy come true. (laughs) And there should be destruction and darkness come up in creation.
0: I do remember the part of Revelation where the giant ants are supposed to come up. Oh, really? That happens? Oh, absolutely. Oh, shit.
1: (laughs) Wow. I like that that guy saying those things is basically wearing funny goggles standing in what looks like a huge dust storm and just looking <laughs> so calm while talking look at that face
0: <laughs> them so this, yeah what year was them 54 54 what year was the original godzilla this is around the time just everyone was really freaked out by the idea of um the atomic age oh yeah uh, uh 54 Oh, wow. Damn. That's cool.
1: But yeah, nuclear bomb, radiation ants get big, machine guns, flamethrowers, save the day at the end. <laughs> In this case, the mutation happens off screen. Mm. To this film's credit, the use of physical change is ultimately allegorical. While the characters are forced to confront the terror, horror, excitement, and mystery that are giant-ass <laughs> ants, the audience is invited to wrestle with the fact that maybe this whole atomic age thing is a bit of a worry. So special abilities? Not really. They're kind of big ants. <laughs> to that end, a body change. Yes, they get big. Driven to do evil.
0: <laughs> that sound can mean only one thing. Yes. <laughs>
1: God. Just fading it out. <laughs> the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Perhaps the most bodacious example that I have today. <laughs> Uh, definitely the most tubular, anyway. Oh, absolutely! The teenage mutant turtles were, of course, originally for pet baby turtles. I'll let the movie thingy describe itself to you. Back in New York, Yoshi lived happily with his turtles and rats, and then one day. <gasps> <gasps>
0: this is all happening i'm just watching your face i'm not seeing the screen at all this
1: <laughs> he walks into he's living in the sewer and he opens the door we see him at the table playing with his turtles <laughs> while he like reads a book and then one day he opens the door they are splashing around in like luminous purple fluid <laughs> and he goes <gasps> and then they just cut to black <laughs> it was a powerful mutagen it caused whoever touched it to take on the form of whatever animal they had most recently been in contact with. He cleans them off. The turtles started becoming human They had most recently been with Yoshi. But Yoshi had most recently been with the rats. Mm. So...
0: Then Hamato Yoshi is YOU! You got a mind like a steel trap, (laughs) lady.
1: That's as far as I wanted to go. (laughs) (laughs) You got a mind like a steel trap, lady.
0: Yeah, so that's just the best. This may already be uh, something I've said on the show, but my mom went to high school with the guy who invented the Ninja Really? That's pretty cool. And, uh, yeah, in the original the original version, like the comic book version of them, they were much darker than any of the cartoon versions. Oh, no. And they were also meant to be kind of a spinoff of Daredevil. That's right. I was yeah. reading about that in preparation. I had never known that until... Yeah, the ooze was spilled off of some truck and then spilled into the sewers where they were. That's uh too just, like cool. during a fight that he was having with some bad guy or something. I like but, that. Uh, yeah.
1: But, right. And also, it bothers me in watching that set up there that it makes sense. Okay, so the ooze... Fine, it changes you into what thing you touch last. Yeah, a little bit. The turtles get cleaned off by the guy that was that yes. noise you hear. Um, him polishing them with a little napkin. They turn into human shape, but Yoshi, the guy who cleaned them off, yes. turns into a rat. Despite the fact that he was touching a turtle, shouldn't he be Most the fifth recently, turtle? Yeah,
0: yeah, that's interesting. You think that somewhere in there, I don't know. But, so, uh,
1: anyway. Um, it would be
0: kind of funny if they were just touching each other, they just turned into different turtles than they already were. <laughs>
1: <laughs> They're more of themselves than ever before. <laughs> yes. Um, but right, it's it's one of those, it just happens rules, which works yeah. out. Special abilities. Yes. Semi-human, can talk eat pizza. They are huge time, body plan change, driven to do evil.
0: Quite the opposite. <laughs> and uh Yeah. That's all. I have. <laughs> no, it's a very good, uh, I think, intro to all of the idea. Just a pretty good cross section of all of the different ways that mutation manifests in in pop culture in general. And, Indeed. Uh, yeah, plenty of room for us to dig into it more next week because, oh, yes. uh, as uh, we may or may not have mentioned before, you and I, uh, you and I may or may not have some uh, background some, in just a little genetics. bit of a
1: background there. Yeah. yeah, it's a small one. You wouldn't even notice if we didn't mention it. <laughs> Probably not, actually. <laughs> yeah. We're just uh, some dumb yeah. guys that talk at you every week. But yeah. yeah. But also, we have a <laughs> pretty strong background <laughs> in uh, genetics. Yep. And molecular biology. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we will get into all the reasons that genetics is misportrayed next week. But for now, more
0: misportrayals. Before we get into that, should we uh, thank some of our dear... Dear patrons, and fire up this, uh... Let's boot it up. This weird machine. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's all set up. Now let's just plug these into our brains here and... Mm. All right, so what we do is we use this sort of, uh, cursed computer and then focus in on specific patrons of ours to determine which (laughs) cryptid in the world they should personally be on the lookout for.
1: Exactly. Um the program does most of the work for us. We basically just have to sit here and allow it to access our biological totality. <laughs> no um, big deal at all. Yeah. Should I go first or Sure. Okay, let's see here. Carmen from Mayo, South Carolina, longtime supporter and friend of the show who still owes us peach beer or whatever it was. <laughs> Son of a peach. Carmen Please be on the lookout for the. OOMPH! (laughs) The machine did hurt me. Uh oh. But also, that's apparently the name of the creature. (laughs) Wait, I can't tell if something went wrong or not, but. Say again? I'm compelled to say the OOMPH. The OOMPH? It's a fearsome critter said to be about the size of a dog, but looking like a cross between a big lizard and a toad with long <laughs> claws and with sharp spines all along its back and big spots all over. Oh, boy. It wow. goes around hunting for eggs and birds' nests, and I guess when it finds one, it makes a noise deep down in its throat that sounds like... Oof, <laughs> oof. Oh, God. Oh, man. Well, this is definitely functioning correctly, I know Alrighty. for a fact that Carmen spends many weekends dressed in a giant bird's egg suit for walks in her <laughs> local woodland. Makes sense. Uh, Who so us? yes, uh, a very earnest heads up to you, Carmen. If you hear an oof, oof, <laughs> get to running. <laughs> and while running, remember that we really, truly, and deeply appreciate your support. Thank we you. Sure
0: do. All right. Well, I'm a little worried about how it's gonna feel when I do this, but want uh, to just go ahead and focus on. Emma from Canterbury, UK, and of course, from the podcast, Real Life Ghost ghost Stories, stories. be on the lookout for, ah, the snake-headed dog. (laughs) (laughs) On May 24th, 1996, in Magali, California, a bizarre dog-like beast called snake-headed dog, or snake dog, four to five feet in total length, but with sleek serpentine head red reptilian eyes a slender 24 to 30 inch neck shaggy black fur long hind limbs shorter uh, forelimbs and no tail at all right in front of a car driven by sheila charles as she was taking her son shane to school wow she swerved to avoid hitting this creature and veered out of control into a canyon fortunately nobody was badly injured and the mysterious beast was later confirmed by the driver of the car following her what who had seen it as well holy shit so more than one person saw this dog: snog. Thing. Doesn't Neutral Milk Hotel have a song about this too? Snake Headed Dog. I don't know them. Okay. Is that a band? You don't know Neutral Milk Hotel? I may be Surprise. pretending that I don't okay. know them, okay. Okay. but I also don't. Okay. <laughs> so, Emma, if you ever find yourself in Northern California, and there's a place called Irish Town near Megalia so we can understand the temptation, <laughs> watch out for snake dogs. And thank you for your Patreon support. Oh, yes. I think that's it for now. If that you is. support us at any level on Patreon, no matter what amount, you can be entered to have your own fate foretold by this machine. This
1: machine at personal cost to
0: ourselves
1: and our well-being.
0: <laughs> but well, speaking of which, we pr- we'll probably pull these out now. Actually. Oh think, yeah, yeah, sure. E- Ooh, this came t- right out for me. It's not. It's still. Can you grab oh, weird. here? And help. And yeah. Just, <sighs> okay. Whew. A oh, little man. worrying at time. I There's
1: d- a lot of fluid all over this
0: one. Yeah. um, It's still trickling out of the back of my head. Uh, a little bit, yeah. It's gross. I'm just going to lean over the edge of the chair here. Oh, man. Clean it up afterward. Yeah, okay. It's fine. It's fine. It's it's fine. gross. Uh, I think we're ready for the next segment.
1: <laughs> if you are. <laughs> Let's do it.
0: <laughs> so now we can go on into some uh, some behavioral stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, um triple want to talk about is monster behavior. It's easy for that to sound wicked stupid. They're monsters. So what the hell, why the hell would they act like normal animals? Mm-hmm. Specifically, I want to focus on monster feeding behavior. Uh, because A, their desire to eat the main characters is often the crux of their scariness in movies. Mm-hmm. And B, eating is a core survival function of any living thing that doesn't produce its own energy. Mm-hmm. And therefore, uh, it follows a certain set of principles that I'm going to talk about. And um, yeah, even though these are creatures that are not really like our things we've normally experienced per se as as monsters if they have to eat they probably have to survive in um the same kind of ways most living things do so i think this stuff can apply my first example is not necessarily a flattering one okay uh, but it's actually a pretty good illustration of the hollywood approach to stuff like this jurassic park 3 Ah yes i've not actually seen that one you're all right Um, (laughs) The first movie established the Velociraptors as the scariest dinosaurs in the parks One Tyrannosaurus Rex as the biggest and baddest of them all Mm -hmm. uh, Even killing the raptors at the end and saving the day Mm -hmm. Um, 25 year old spoiler I guess Uh, The Lost World had to up the ante by going to Isla Nublar's sister island Isla Sorna Where oh hey guess what they had a bunch of additional dinosaurs for some reason Uh, Still more raptors and now two T-Rexes who are concerned parents Aww. They eat Vince Vaughn. Wait, that was Land Before Time, too. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. So, in Jurassic Park 3, they wanted to push the envelope a little more, which they did by bringing in another dinosaur entirely, Spinosaurus Egyptiacus. I don't know if it's aegypti... I thought it was aegypticus, but there's an Me A too. in there. Maybe it's, maybe it's a diphthong egyptiacus. As a particular hmm. the movie, it is bigger than T-Rex, so that is accurate to their actual uh, size and shape and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, here now is a short scene that sets us all up. So, Dr. Grant... Has been tricked into visiting Isla Sorna with some dipshits. Their plane gets destroyed by the Spinosaurus. They escape mm-hmm. into the forest. Mm-hmm. So the begins with them happening upon the carcass of some large dinosaur, mm. which startles the group until they realize that it is, in fact, a carcass. Mm. They are then further surprised to find that it is being eaten by good old tricks, uh, prompting Grant to tell everyone to hold still, based on his knowledge from the first film that this particular species' vision is based on movement. Mm-hmm. Dinosaur go roar, Dipschitz go running, Grant has no choice but to run too, Mm -hmm. and the T-Rex chases after them. Mm -hmm. It already has a great big dinosaur there to eat, and it goes after these tiny people. Mm -hmm. So, let's roll the clip.
1: It's okay, it's dead. Nobody move a muscle. Oh, they didn't listen too well.
0: He just can't help himself. He's yeah. got a cheese. Yep. They run out. something. that they come across. They stumble across this giant dinosaur in a clearing that they were running straight towards but didn't see. And then the T-Rex and the Spinosaurus Oof. immediately start fighting like crazy. Like really going at it. While well, the characters all just try and get out of the way. No feathers. <laughs> no feathers. That's the biggest complaint we have here. But they're really... They just happen to see each other, and now they want to kill each other. Um, They're both full of evil. They really are. And it ends with... Oh. Y- Spinosaurus just snaps the T-Rex's neck and throws it down on the ground. And uh, it is the baddest of them all. Now, that is... Wasn't it like the first, I feel like, 20 minutes of the movie's runtime? Maybe it's a little more than that, but... This reminds me of a line I believe Qui-Gon Jinn said one time. Yes. In
1: a submarine or whatever, where he's like, there's Uh, always a bigger fish. That's right. And I think what he
0: was getting at by that was in Jurassic Park. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So this was just the movie shorthand for saying, hey, here's the monster for this movie, and it's even badder than anything you've seen before, Mm -hmm. because it just killed the thing that you were scared of before. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, this next example is somewhat similar In terms of the hunting down humans part It's from Peter Jackson's King Kong mm. But this point Ann, Jack, Carl And the whole crew have been on Skull Island For four of the movie's five hour runtime. Uh In this scene Ann has already <laughs> met And kind of made friends with Kong Via her vaudeville antics And is hubba hubba. Te- temporarily on her own She like juggled and stuff And just like made him think she was entertaining and fun um, he, She met the monkey dude The ape monster Andy circus. yeah so she's temporarily on her own when some theropod-type dinosaurs suddenly give her all sorts of trouble. Mm-hmm. According to the companion book, the species is Vestatosaurus rex, a descendant of tyrannosaurs that hung around and evolved on Skull Island. The statusaurus. The Statosaurus, which I guess means like um, marauding beast kind of uh-huh. thing like that. Mm-hmm. But um, never mind that. No tyrannosaurid fossils have ever been found in the entire continent of Africa. That is not the part of this that we're picking apart. No, indeed. Uh, Kong swoops in to save Anne from the one dino that's trying to eat her, and is fighting it off with one hand while holding her at arm's length away from it in the other hand. Another V-Rex then enters, wolfing down a decent-sized dino meal that it already had in its mouth, mm-hmm. and eyeing Anne with a clear look of, don't mind if I do, <laughs> as it's swallowing its current meal.
1: I think that was actually in the storyboard, too. Yes. <laughs> they had the
0: thought bubble going over its head. Yes. It then starts making its way toward the fight between a giant gorilla and another adult dinosaur because it really wants to eat this human. Mm-hmm. Let's watch a little bit of that. <laughs> she is climbing up a log, and it's this great big dino mouth right next her that she doesn't see. Oh, my God. And she hears it. Like, Wait those a minute. <laughs> His teeth are all jacked up. Yes. She sees it. And once she sees it, then it starts going for it. Classic. Trying to get her off of the log it just really wants that lady and she's hanging from the branch and it's like oh now i can't reach you but then it sees something coming through the trees oh it's calm and he kicks him right in the head and catches her when she falls and then keeps fighting and it's just a whole good deal so he's ready to protect and from the dinosaur she behind her And there's one Eating a dinosaur And it sees her and it's like Oh I wanna go eat that too So what you're saying Is the metabolic rates of Of monsters is <laughs> Pretty just, remarkable It's
1: ridiculous
0: So Oof Takes me in <sighs> Yes, yeah, so He's His very <laughs> he's Pissed off mm-hmm. I didn't like that But he's happy To at least Be keeping her safe mm-hmm. So That Happens Kong, a giant gorilla, has fended off these two huge dinosaurs to protect one little human. Mm-hmm. And those two dinosaurs are now squaring off together to fight Kong mm-hmm. for the one human. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, a third V-Rex jumps in trying to eat Anne. Just, like, jumps over his shoulder trying to get her. <laughs> um, it becomes this huge three-on-one brawl with all three of them trying to eat and during the fight. While they're being punched and stuff by Kong, he keeps trying to get a bite of, uh, of this little tiny morsel he's carrying. Um... All of them, they're getting the absolute shit kicked out of them. Way worse than the fight from Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, but they keep at it because they just gotta eat that person. <laughs> it is never made clear in the movie whether the three large Vistatosaurus rexes intend to share the one Anne or not. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Kong smashes one's head with a rock, and then he, Anne, and the two other dinosaurs all go all over a cliff together. Mm-hmm. Kong and one V-Rex get caught in some vines, and Kong continues his smack down, while Anne hangs a hundred yards or so above in some other vines. And then this happens. Mm. So she's swinging there and then realizes the other one is oh. lying there and she sees her and it's like, oh, I'm hanging and about to die, but I gotta get that lady. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> so he keeps trying to get her and swinging closer and closer. And Man, these dinosaurs. What's happening, So he keeps punching the other one and works his way up to What a ridiculous scene. Oh my god. Yeah, It's just very, very determined. I feel like Kuma would do this. <laughs> she might. But she's maybe. a little pupper. She is a little pupper. These are grown ass dinosaurs. They should know better. And then he manages to oh, pull Whoa. it out of the way in time. He almost and got it. And it goes down. They all go down together, following all the different vines and swinging around. and Wow. It's a whole thing. Oh, um, my God. Yes. <laughs> also, those vines. Pretty, Pretty amazing load bearing uh, vines. Yeah. Yes. Now she's finally down to only one surviving V Rex, and it's still wants to fight kong for ann uh it is unsuccessful he ends up uh, smashing its head apart with, you uh, did not mention the detail that ann
1: is wearing an outfit made 100 percent out of barbecue sauce that's true
0: and uh, that is a a pretty uh tantalizing yes <laughs> um so the main through line that i have with these is survival instinct just in a general sense i will get into some of the more details of that next time and it's not survival instinct versus predatory instinct, like how the, those two squaring off, because the instinct to hunt shit is part of the instinct to survive. Mm. Them wanting to eat is predicated on their wanting to have food to survive. So, And yet at all costs. Yes. So it's like, I will eat this one thing that isn't very much if it kills me. <laughs> I, guess, I guess monsters are literally starving in movies. Always. Just Always. constantly. Um, I'm about to get into some biology fact, but I will first preface this with the acknowledgement that in this and other movies, yes, they are meant to be monsters. That is, they are fulfilling a specific narrative role right. as this deadly force to be reckoned right. with. But that can actually work better when there is some more realism at play. By not having your monster constantly chasing and trying to eat your characters, you can avoid bloated seven-minute action scenes like that one oh. uh, and intersperse them with suspense instead. If it's not actively attacking at this moment, what is it going to do next? So it? there's yeah. that can actually make it scarier than if it's just constant fighting chomping and butt <laughs> yes. punching or chasing or whatever right if the movie is leaning more in the horror direction this can even give you a chance to make your monster more interesting than just a mindless killing machine mm-hmm. Then you can have additional motives that your audience can question making it more unknowable and therefore terrifying mm-hmm. i'll dig into this a bit later but an example of what i just described is the demogorgon from stranger things nice yeah i feel like that that kind of works in that way and i'll get into more about why later what I do want to dig into is behavior on the part of movie animals that makes no kind of sense for a living thing that wants to be alive. Mm-hmm. We could also argue that these are dinosaurs and made-up dinosaurs, so how the hell could I know what their behavior would be like? As a behavioral ecologist, I'll just say that you'll be hard-pressed to find many instances where evolution favors any species that doesn't actually try not to die, because they die. Yeah, it tends to limit one's reproductive output mm-hmm. pretty Pretty solidly. Yes. With regard to this movie stuff, we have, on the one hand, creatures fighting to the death. <laughs> I've a bit in movies because it's dramatic. Um, and this can happen in nature, but it's for sure the exception and not the rule. Mostly because if you're fighting it to kill a competitor, and that competitor is fighting to kill you, you could die. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Kind of, if, like in these movies, the goal is to keep fighting until one of you actually does die, then you potentially have a 50% chance of kicking it, which is a risk that I, I don't find particularly appealing. No, no. Uh instead most animals will posture. Well they say fifty percent is halfway to a hundred percent, so I mean it's pretty right. good odds actually. Instead most animals will posture first showing how big and strong they are, and this allows the opportunity for them to predict who might win before even trying to fight. Exactly. If that isn't enough for one to intimidate the other. There'll then be an actual fight and uh doesn't usually last super long. It's usually um definitely does not involve lethal force. If you're fighting that hard, you're also putting yourself at risk. Mm-hmm. So you're, if you're an animal having that what we call an agonistic encounter, mm-hmm. um, you, your move is just to try and get the other competitor to go away, and if that doesn't work, you go away yourself. Right. Uh, you watch some squirrels or watch some hummingbirds. You'll be amazed how much hatred those tiny little feathered bodies can hold. Oh, my God. Uh, but every time you see animals fight, it's just until one backs down and bails. And you say, what about the fact that the virexes are fighting for food? Well, I want to point out how small the food item was, especially given that there are three of them. Right. How intensely difficult it is to obtain. It's being held onto by this giant gorilla that is actively trying to beat the fuck out of them <laughs> while they're trying to get it. Uh and yeah, how one of them had just at least one of them had just eaten something larger. So there's no reason. Yeah. Yes. Um that's the other half of that I want to get into is what's called in ecology a functional response. But I will get into that more next week. Cool. Um it's it's actual cool like ecology theory about how predator prey interactions work and stuff, and it's it's kind of neat. So, uh, some movies kind of take it a different direction, a variation on monster behavior that actually kind of follows some similar logic to the mutant kind of stuff you talked about. Mm. Which is, what if you took a normal animal and infected it with something weird? Uh-oh. Uh oh. This can be kind of a like some vague rage virus situation or a variation oh, yeah. on a mad cow disease. But a pretty um, popular route to take is rabies, specifically. Mm-hmm. Rabies is a viral disease that causes brain inflammation in any warm-blooded host that gets infected. Uh, can strongly affect behavior, including increasing aggression beyond what is natural for an animal. So that is sometimes used as an excuse for why the monster of the movie is acting the way it is. A classic mm-hmm. movie example is Cujo, which is Ooh. when a rabbit St. Bernard just really wants to murder a mother and child. Oh, no. However, other major symptoms of rabies include super low energy, vomiting, and an inability to eat. That's from the CDC. Huh. Right. So while animal may be more aggressive when rabid and therefore should not be approached except by experts. Doesn't mean they're necessarily going to... Yeah, they're actually pretty unlikely to go out of their way to fuck with you when they're right. so deathly sick. Right. Then um, there are the monsters that simply don't act totally insane, but instead follow at least an internal logic within the universe of their movie. I already mentioned the Demogorgon from Stranger Things. Uh, right. It's not technically a movie, I know, but... Yeah, pop culture it stuff it like works, this. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it kills a lot of people, but seems to loosely have a method. Like It does drag some people back to the upside down alive and starts in those cocoon type things until later. And so it that ends up actually adding a, um, a terrifying unknowable motives element to it that makes it additionally scary beyond just, oh, if it catches me, it'll eat me. It's like, oh, right. I don't know what it's going to do. I might become part of its, gonna, its design. Yeah. yeah, the whole weird craziness of all that. Theory, so yeah. that works in its own way. Um, the creature from Cloverfield is also a kind of cool difference. Um, True. Just from a movie standpoint, it's also successful because we never really get a very clear look at the whole thing Mm -hmm. and it has a decidedly unnatural shape. As for behavior, it's supposed to be depicted as just scared and confused and running around. Like it came, something scared out of the, it lives deep under the water, something scared up into the city and it's just lost and doesn't know what it's doing and is being attacked by all these military people. So its it's behavior is more just, oh fuck, oh shit, oh fuck. (laughs) So that works, too. Does he do to the end, though? That is true. At that point, it's... Uh, Very comfortable. It's kind of gotten used to it. It's like, I guess this is what it's like up here. All right, well, I'm going to eat... Wasn't there like the, some
1: gross part with the tick things that live those on Those were parasites you?
0: that fall off of it, yeah. yeah. And those attack people and awful things happen. And I can't.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I remember... I, I, I have like a black spot in my mind <laughs> for the scene, but I remember it being horrible pretty effective movie.
0: Oh yeah, it's a fun as found footage movies go. Those are usually yeah. pretty annoying and often the um explanation for why someone's still running a camera is pretty questionable. In this right. case, Hud is just adorably doofusy enough <laughs> that he's like yeah, he would yeah, want to document will. everything. <laughs> right. Like, no, I got I got to keep shooting guys like Hud, just forget about it. Like, no, no, I got I guess I need to just, get this. Yeah, and it's it's more cute than anything. Yep. He's just a lovable goober right up until the end. Yeah. Um, I guess I could bring up the bear from Annihilation. That, uh, that thing comes up a lot on the show. I feel like
1: don't play. But any I clips will not. I will not. But um, I start crying. You do want so people first, it, to hear me cry.
0: <laughs> when it first shows up in the movie, it's just briefly. And it's it's in the kind of standard trying to eat one of the characters, sort of. Monster. You don't quite see it, but it's there. Yeah, it grabs someone and carries her off. But uh, that's only the first appearance. And later in that one fucking scene that yeah. I'm not gonna play. It's pretty unclear what the hell it wants and that gives room for some excellent sheer terror. Oh. So that's also, you know, it's also it's mutation done well and um scary monster done well. Yeah, yeah, it was fun and horrible. yes when you were removed from it, it's like oh, I was I, I was fun. I had fun. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> And a last example, surprisingly enough, the Indominus Rex from Jurassic World. <laughs> huh. Good job to all of Hollywood for including Rex at the end of every made-up binomial name for a big scary dinosaur. Yeah. Um, it's supposed to be very intelligent, and when it escapes Star-Lord's concern is that it was <laughs> not properly socialized. What? So, and that's to, it's Aww. a deal where it's very intelligent, but um, because it wasn't socialized correctly, it's kind of a sociopath and just is killing for sport. Right. So it's like, all right, well, that kind of justifies within the universe of the movie, because with intelligent animals If they aren't correctly socialized They can be pretty fucked up And that can right. be bad So right. that is one thing that movie did right Right the one to think that movie did oh write. I never uh, I never saw that one either, yeah, you're uh after Jurassic Park, you're pretty much good like that's I that's worth fifteen
1: dollars on <laughs> just a stack of old playing cards that no one wanted. <laughs> yes. I feel better for it.
0: so I will go back to one last uh clip example It's a final and probably favorite example of this kind of the kind of disregard for remotely mm. logical behavior in a movie. here we go, which is uh the nineteen ninety seven classic anaconda. oh my God. So John Voight has just turned out to be <laughs> a bad guy, poacher jerk, and he tries to use these surviving main characters as bait for an enormous green anaconda. Check out episode 32, Overexcited Europeans, mm-hmm. for an anaconda adventure on this very show. Mm-hmm. The other characters you see had all been chased down and killed by another giant anaconda before Jennifer has there F- there killed it. Multiple giant anacondas. Um, one. Why did they was call it picking, anacondas? Well, that was for the sequel. <laughs> oh. There's only one at a time in this case, I guess. So, there's um, <laughs> one that's picking up characters as it went. It kept eating full-grown humans and just more of them. Um, <laughs> and uh, but then they uh, Jennifer Lopez managed to kill it. And um, yeah, so the new bigger snake comes in and is ready to eat J Lo and Ice Cube when John Voight triggers a net, but then it escapes and eats him instead. Oh. Um, punishment of the villain <laughs> Yes so having the just, natural force Yes Having just eaten A full grown John Voight The snake then Chases the hell Out of the other two Because it can't stand Any character still being alive No indeed Finally achieving Peak Hollywood When it Regurgitates John Voight In order To eat J-Lo Really <laughs> So let's watch that That sounds horrible So this is the moment In the movie When it is actively um, Has just swallowed uh, John Voight It was in the process Of swallowing John Voight they're escaping oh, no. from their bonds. He's being eaten alive. I like
1: that we can hear him very audibly.
0: Yeah, very clearly through the snake. It's all like, down. Burped. It, they roar a lot, the snakes. It looks up, like, oh, fuck now, And then it whips them to not uh-huh. <laughs> them from getting away. Was that a prop tail? <laughs> uh, yeah. They actually, oh, that's awesome. To their credit, they go back and forth between CGI and actual practical effects a lot. In this that's movie. cool. Um, so j trying to find a way out. And... Uh, Man, I missed 97. <laughs> it was a good time. Two years before, some even better times, but <laughs> yeah. that's okay. So the snake is now just chasing them and the trying to sounds get like them. like a banshee. It, it really does. Um, here's snake vision. You can see it. Snake vision? Yeah. <laughs> From its point of <laughs> One view. One of the grips just... <laughs> <laughs> and now it's going to... Uh, oh, she sees oh, a bunch of smaller, smaller ones. Uh-oh. Are they babies? Maybe. Now it smashes through a window looking for her. And it sees her and roars at her, and now throws up John oh. Voigt because it wants to eat her. John Voigt sees uh, lands on her and uh, he's been partially digested. Yep. Gives he her a little wink. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> and then, yeah. So anyway, that was a moment that even wow. yeah, you know, I guess I was I would have been seven or eight when I saw this movie, and I remember even then being like. No. Wait, it, it threw up a meal it had already consumed in order to eat a different meal. Ugh. Well, it was John Voight. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So he's a, a tastier snack in front of it, and <laughs> it goes for that instead. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, well, so J Lo calorie. <laughs> yes, is your full name? <laughs> Animals in Hollywood movies behaving in ways that just don't even make sense within the logic of the movie itself. Right. Good Are time. Purely for. Dramatic effect, yes, and are weird, so weird, so that I guess is the uh that. That, is that, the guess, that that I guess is the uh the end of part one of this special report you got a sense of kind of just teeing up what all this stuff is we're going to talk about we'll get into some more examples and stuff and maybe some additional things not just these two areas but maybe some other stuff too next week just oh sure to have fun yeah. and we'll dig deeper into the science behind all of that stuff absolutely i keep saying yeah. next week it'll be two weeks from now two weeks from now yeah next week we'll have some stuff for you but uh not a full episode we're
1: doing a lighter month because we're prepping a lot of cool content for october
0: yes indeed um so stay tuned mm-hmm.
1: but yes in the meantime goodbye <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> or <laughs> should i do the like and all that do uh check us out on patreon if you haven't already we would love your support and you will be entered into a fun raffle for the pander function which you heard earlier as well as uh likely some cool perks that are unique to each tier mm-hmm. um, and we'll love you forever it really does help us uh produce this show um, and otherwise, uh, just leave us a like and a review on iTunes or whatever Apple podcast and wherever else you might take your daily cast. <laughs> um, and, uh, elsewise, uh, bye. Bye.
0: That's my contribution. Ah!